Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Seeing It All, where we break down this week's biggest movie and TV news. The camera quality is a little rough this week for people who are watching on the broadcast version. Sorry, we're trying to get that fixed, but still, we're going to bring that movie news. And we got Gran Turismo movie review, Ahsoka episodes one and two review, Blue Beetle and Strays both flop at the box office. And Percy Jackson's got a new trailer and release date. But I want us to start off with the Gran Turismo review. Did you guys know? That this was based on a true story. Did you? Did you? Did you guys know it was based on a true story? I don't. I don't think they told enough people. But it has really, really bad marketing. And there's some other decisions we'll talk about in a minute. But it was just I was dreading to go see this movie, and I waited as long as possible to see it. I really thought the trailers were just awful, and I'm not not a racing person at all. I found the sport of race. It, if you'd even call it a sport, I don't necessarily call it a sport. It's kind of the cars going around on a track. I, it's it's so boring. It's like the most boring sport. If you turn on any sport, I'd pick any sport over over racing. Even even baseball, which I find extremely boring, but I'd pick it over racing. It's just oh, I'm a huge fan of the Cars franchise though, which is kind of surprising because um, I'm blinded by nostalgia by nostalgia at times. That was my that was I love that franchise. I had like four birthday parties themed to it. But I definitely do not love the sport of racing at all. But I left all those preconceived notions at the door, and I came out of the movie theater thinking that Gran Turismo, based on a true story, they even put it in the freaking title. It's just, it's just so crazy. But I came out of the theater thinking the movie was actually good. I, I, I can't believe it. I, I still understand how I actually enjoyed the film. I really thought I was going to hate this movie, and I came out actually really liking it. Um, I love it when you see a movie that you think is going to be really bad, but actually came out thinking it's pretty good. It's it's not great, no, but it, it's pretty good. It was more than I, than I expected it to be. I was talking to my friend about who's really, really excited for it. They're racing. They're car people. They love cars, and they were going really excited. They're driving like two and a half hours to go experience it in Dolby, which I'm like, why are you doing that to yourself? But I was like, if I come out of this movie not liking it, you're not going to believe me. And they told me they weren't. And I said, watch, I'll come out liking it just for you. And I did it just for them. I came out liking the film, which I'm very, very excited. But I want to get go ahead and get my negatives out of the way, which I mean, I mostly need to talk about negatives because there's not a whole lot of stuff here. I need to talk about gushing about the positives, but I need to get my gripes out of the way about this film before I talk about positives. And first of all, I got to start off with the protagonist who I find extremely, extremely unlikable. Maybe it's just me. Not everybody may feel this way, but I found the protagonist extremely unlikable. I just kept thinking back to my parents were watching Succession the other night, and they were watching the episode where uh, Logan Roy tells his children, you are not, you are not serious people. You are not serious people. And I kept repeating that in my brain every time I watched this child f- fulfill his destiny. I'm like, oh my God, this is, this guy is not serious. He's, he's just going to, he thinks in the beginning, he's like, oh, dad won't let me become a racer. I'm like, dude. Yeah, I got to side with Jamon Hansu, who's amazing as the dad. He's always great in everything. He's in needs to be in more stuff and be a bigger part of the stuff he's in. He's not very much in this movie, but his dad's like, no, you need to be realist and go to college and make a good jobs and make a good living, not just sit at home, play video games, video games all day, which is what he does. The kid doesn't really have a plan until the GT Academy comes into his life. And I thought just the, the way he like took it for granted or it just he seemed very irrational at points. I just didn't find him particularly interesting to follow because he is not likable at all. And he just kept, oh, just made me so angry when those people were talking. He was like, yeah, 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 I understand it. I, I, I do I do this all the time. I'm like, dude, you're just sitting at a computer all day. At it all day. And you're like, this is what I want to do with my life. I'm like, then go do something about it. Go go try to intern somewhere. I don't know. Take life into your own hands and don't just sit on a computer, especially to fall into your hands and quit blaming your dad for all your mistakes. It made me very angry. Also, um, it's also just a big ad for Gran Turismo the game, which I was kind of expected, but 
the first 20 minutes were just really bad. He kept referring to it as a simulation and not a game. I was like, the most intense game. It accurately recreates all the racing. I was like, oh my God. They just kept talking about how great Gran Turismo was. And it became graining to the ears. And I was like, I, I get it. You want to sell more PS5, Sony, but can we chill out just a bit on the promotion here, please, for my sake? The others race, the other racers also suck, but um, his com- his teammates and also the competitors and they were they were just not interesting to follow. The, especially one of the villains who drives like his gold car. It was just so boring and so stereotypical. They were trying to say stuff about class issues in the racing world, which makes sense because you got to have a lot of money to get started and get sponsorships and stuff. And there's one character, the dad's funding is his sponsor basically, and they're trying to make a statement about wealth and racing and stuff just like blue beetle tried to do with their situation how the wolf's putting pushing people out but they didn't delve into it enough to actually make a point they just like kind of referenced it and i feel like they could have fleshed out the idea they could have said something with that but they didn't really also there's so many unneeded subplots specifically the girlfriend storyline which takes up a good about 10 15 minutes that was totally totally unnecessary especially when we're following someone i don't really like and we're cutting away from david harbour and orlando bloom which i do love and i'm like i don't i don't want to follow these people um honestly too many races also kind of became they kind of became desensitizing at a point i'm i'm just like okay can we just like can we get just a big montage and just cut through some of the stuff i don't need to see this much racing this much racing but along with those unneeded subplots came a bloated runtime two hours and 15 minutes for this movie oh my god it's so long this would have been perfect in an hour and 45 minutes cut out a good 30 minutes artists don't be afraid to cut down your work please because i was sitting there i was like oh we're almost done with this movie, right? Oh no, we have an hour left. I'm like, oh my god, and it it just it just was way way too long. And but as for the stuff I liked, let's get all those grievances out of the way. As for the stuff I liked, I forgot to switch my graphic. But as for the stuff that I liked, the racing scenes were awesome, and they actually had me enthralled to see who won. And I love the scenes when we see our characters winning. It always fills me with joy. Um, it always fills me with joy. It's just literally like air whenever they got the deal at the end. It just like, oh, just a big grin on my face. And then some of the scenes here, even though I don't find the character to be pretty unlikable, I still had to put a big grin on my face. I mean, pretty sure everybody might have a big grin on their face when they see, especially all sports. I'm pretty sure all sports movies put everybody, unless they lose, unless they lose really badly, then you won't have a grin on your face. But usually if you get a big grin on my face, you know, you're doing something right in a sport movie. Um, the racing scenes were awesome. And they actually had me enthralled to see who won. And I love the scenes when we see our characters as I said, winning, I just repeated myself, but David Harbour, who plays his manager slash teacher slash former driver, his character arc throughout the film was really good. He starts off like hating these kids like I did. And he's like, you can't do this. I'm like, David Harbour, you're right, please. And then he comes to loving this one kid. I'm like, David Harbour, no, you must stay hating these children. <laughs> he was the main reason I love this film. David Harbour was absolutely amazing. I love to see him do more stuff outside of Stranger Things. He did Violent Night last year. That was so good. And I love to see him do more movie roles, which I'm pretty sure he said he's going to stick to the movie roles after Stranger Things ends, which I think that's a that's a good idea. Um, also, Orlando Bloom is the third main character in this film. I haven't seen him in much lately. I, I mean, I can't recall the last time I saw him besides Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, Lord of the Rings, but he was awesome here as a Nissan exec, or he says like Nissan. No, he, he's Nissan. He says it in a weird way. I'm like, is this how people say it outside of America? But I thought he really brought a lot of charisma. David Harbour and Orlando Bloom carried this movie on their backs for me. I was like, oh, can we just follow these guys? The, the, the main character can be in the background. I just want to follow David Harbour and Orlando Bloom. 
but it was a gripping sport movie that will be up there with the greats. This and Creed 3 both joined that club uh, to be put on a good sport movie, like something you need to put on. If you never need to find something for your dad to watch, this will be that movie. This and Creed 3, just pop it right on. It will be thoroughly entertained for two hours. It's a solid film. I know I didn't say a ton of positives. I know but it was mostly because I enjoyed David Harbour or Orlando Bloom's performances, the characters, and the racing scenes. The racing scenes, there's not too much to talk about because I don't really want to get spoilers about this man's life. They do rearrange some things in the timeline that I, because I knew going in what happens to the character. But they do rearrange some things that kind of threw me for a loop. But most of the movie is racing scenes. So if you see, if you don't want to go watch racing scenes, this movie's not going to be it for you because that's probably like at least half the film. And then the other half is made up with David Harbour and Orlando Bloom, which really came together Mwah. beautifully. It's a really good movie. Um, it, it's it's just racing mostly. But as for other people's reactions on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a fluctuating from fresh to rotten constantly. Last I checked, it had a 58% on Rotten Tomatoes. I also think some of the people are playing in the controversy about um, I don't really want to get into it because it kind of spoils the movie and I, I got spoiled for me. I was like, I wish I would have saved that from the movie and then gone into my own research afterwards. But I think they're taking some real life things into it as well, which I, I, I understandable. It also, I don't know. I just, it just, but 58%, eh, I think, I, I think I'd like to see this movie in the seventies is where I'd expect it to be without the controversy stuff. You can look into that if you want to, I really want to address it, but most people think this is too long and delivers, but it delivers solid racing scenes, but could have been built on a better foundation, which is kind of what I think. But I still think it's overall a pretty good movie. As I said in the review, the marketing for Gran Turismo has been some of the worst I have ever seen. And then the rollout of the movie was just awful. They played the trailer, which itself was like three minutes in front of every single movie. And I heard audible groans from the audience about the trailers. Like that's the first time I've heard maybe the Morbius trailer did it too. But I heard audible groans from everybody in the audience. And it was it, it was just something to see. It was like three and a half minutes long too. And I was like, oh my god, I have to sit here. That's when I ever had to use the bathroom. <laughs> they were just they were just so bad. They became unironically great though, because everybody started to make memes of them. The film <laughs> the film was set to come out August 11th, but when the strike happened, they decided to delay the film two weeks to August 25th, and they decided to use those two extra weeks to have fan screenings. They had fan screenings at a ton of movie theaters, but still, the nearest one to me was over an hour away. And that ain't, I am not driving over an hour, two hour round trip to go see Gran Turismo based on a true story. I love, I love saying it with the base and true story part because it just makes it funny. Uh, they, even when they flashed the title at the beginning, they said Gran Turismo and then it cut to black and then went based on a true story. It was, it's, it's just so funny at this point, but along with those fan screenings, they employed the audience to promote the film because the actors themselves could it, which is absolutely hilarious. I think my favorite thing I saw was that they printed out a giant standee. Like, you know, you see movie poster standees at the film, at the theaters, but it just had someone's like a fan review printed out in really tiny text too. It just looks so awful. And I really wish they had that at my theater because I would have, I would have begged for them to let me take that home. I would have loved and cherished that. At least I would have gotten a picture in front of it because that is just so funny. I wish more movies would do that now. I think someone made it like, they, we need to make more movie promotion like you're going to um, like a construction, a construction convention or something where they have all the details displayed in like bullet points. <laughs> it, it just, just it looks so bad. I love it. Um, so they definitely did not have the best advertising nor the reception of their product. Most It's a 58%. I think the audience score is really high, but there has it's just been fan screenings at this point. So fans are a little little shrouded in their love for their their ip i mean you'll we'll get to that later i'm a little shrouded for my love of ahsoka but we'll say that for later but <laughs> i don't know it's just it's not the reception they hoped uh they hoped for right now the film is expected to have a 15 ish 
million debut in the United States. Oh, that's a little rough. It came around at a hundred million dollar budget, which seems about right given the caliber of the actors, the PlayStation brand, and the race car sequence. This movie is going to lose money, money, money for Sony. Uh, but Sony, I don't think really cares because as long as they sell more PlayStations, more Gran Turismo games, I think they will be fine. Like I feel like that's the ultimate point of this movie. Sony's had a rough year though, except for No Across the Spider Verse that did well, but other than that, very bad year when it comes to the movie side of their business. Game side, it's great. PlayStation 5 couldn't be doing better. I mean, I don't personally play it myself, but I think it's doing pretty well. They have, like, Spider-Man 2 coming out later this year. Honestly, besides Netflix, I think Sony produces, like, the worst films out of any of the main studios. So, yeah, that's it for the Gran Turismo. But I actually started a new rating system. I thought I'd just develop it here, see audience feedback. But I think instead of popcorn bucket, popcorn down, I want to do, if it's really great, we're going to buy a large soda, buy a large popcorn at the movie theater. If it's good, uh, go buy the Dollar Tree candy. Sneak some Dollar Tree food in. And if it's bad, why don't you just stay home and eat, eat dinner there? Eat before you come. <laughs> so I think that's my new rating system. I think this would be some Dollar Tree candy. Go buy some Dollar Tree candy and food before you come in. Just sneak it right in. But this is definitely not the success that they were hoping for at all. But now I want to get into the box office this past weekend. Uh, Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle is the first one we have to talk about. They, Blue Beetle, this will continue. The baffling flops that DC has been having. It only opened to $25 million this week. That ouch, that's so bad. It it already comes in, comes under already low industry expectations of 28 to 32 million. It came under that. At, at the beginning, like last month before Barbenheimer, Barbenheimer came out, I think it was projecting like 12 to 17 million. I would have died laughing if it opened. I mean, this is bad. I feel bad for everybody like funded this, but also it's kind of funny. Like I just have to laugh at this point. I mean, it's not my money. So I'm just going to laugh at this point that it, it was originally projected open 12 to 17 million. So 25, 25 ain't too shabby. I mean, it, it doesn't say a lot for DCU films, but this is the lowest opening. This doesn't say a lot for DCU films, but this is the lowest opening for a DCU film outside of Warner Bros. 1984, which opened day and date on HBO Max and could only play in like 2000 theaters with limited capacity. That opened to 16 million still, which is actually very, very impressive. Um, Wonder Woman 1984 actually made more on the Pure Friday than Blue Beetle did. When I say Pure Friday, that means it doesn't include the Thursday previews, which is now is like two and on. So basically, it's just Thursdays when it opened. Blue Beetle did 7.5 million on a Pure Friday, and then or Wonder Woman 1984 did 7.5 million on the Pure Friday, and Blue Beetle did 6.7 million, which it it just it just gets it gets worse and worse. This is really rough for the film. It doesn't like it to have legs either. It, it gets so bad. It received a B plus cinema score. A B plus. That's like the same grade as Shazam, Fury of the Gods, and Eternals, and Ant Man the Wasp, Quantum Mania, and a few others. And it just it's not flash as bad i think i got a b or b minus it's not as bad as flash it's not going to drop like 70 percent the second weekend nor shazam i think shazam would drop 70 percent too i mean we could see it happen here i wouldn't rule anything out at this point but I, it's just it's just not connecting with those outside the latino community which is sad but i thought it was a solid movie nothing great you can save it for streaming which i think is a lot of people are doing at this point especially the flash is about to come to max so why don't we just wait on blue beetle at that point but it's nothing you need to rush out to see a lot of people are trying to spin this Warner Brothers in particular. There's some really funny account, Neb Good Takes. I just have to reference him on Twitter, who is promoting Blue Beetle, and he promoted Flash 2. And everything seems to be crumble when he tries to promote it at this point. <laughs> and he made a joke that's like, oh, it now it's because we're in a hurricane, guys. It's because we're in a hurricane over in California that this is that bad. And then Warner Brothers came out the next day and said, Hurricane Hillary damaged the performance. 
No, <laughs> maybe maybe it took out like a million, if that. I mean, a million's a lot, but it ain't changing the fate of this film. But it, the, the hurricane did not play a huge effect on this film. Like, don't believe anybody that's trying to spin it for that reason. Overseas, the film opened with 18 million for a measly worldwide opening of 43 million dollars. <laughs> Sorry, guys, it's just so bad. The budget has been updated to being 104 million, which is it's not as bad as 120 million. But it's it's I don't see this film recouping its costs, and I likely would have cost less if it just went to HBO Max. But I'm I'm glad they sent it to theaters. I want more more studios to do this. Send it to theaters, you make more money than you would have in the first place, and then you get more people watching it on the streaming service when it comes out. I think this bad performance is strictly due to the damage the DCU brand has at this point. There's nothing saving it besides a full reboot. James Gunn, are you listening? I won't go into my weekly rant at this point, but James Gunn, please just full reboot it. Let's not keep anybody. Also, stop promising things before you see how the audience reacts because he keeps saying that Blue Beetle is the first DCU character and that everybody's coming back. Like, all the whole family is coming back. And with this performance, I really don't see him coming back. And it's it's just it's just such a bad performance for Blue Beetle. And no Blue Beetle battalion is saving it. The true nail in the coffin will be the performance of the second weekend, though. I'm curious to see how big it will be drop. And it's just it's just sad at this point. If it falls incredibly small, then maybe there's hope. But I think that there's incredible small chance of that happening. Absolutely abysmal performance for the Blue Beetle. Another abysmal performance is Strays, a film that I absolutely hated. I, I did not like this film. And I it just it's not my style of comedy. I thought it was, you know, not my flavor, but strays also came under any industry projections. So Blu-rays total came under industry projections. Um, I saw that over the weekend that they combined Blue Beetle and Strays together. Blue Blu-rays. I love that name. Why did that not get more traction? I wish we would have put together. This sounds so much better than Saw Patrol. And sorry, side, side tangent, but Saw, Saw, Paw Patrol, the movie, and the creator are all releasing on the same day. And they want to start Saw Patrol? No. We're going to do like Saw Creator or something. Or the Creator Saw something. Creasaw. I don't know. Sauter. I don't want I don't want to see Paw Patrol. I'm not seeing Paw Patrol. I'm not doing a double feature of Saw and Paw Patrol when I can go be watching the creator. That is not happening. And I think people need to more realize that. But Blu-rays, that's funny. And I did Blu-rays myself. I did the Blu-ray double feature myself. And it was not as good as Barbenheimer. It was way under Barbenheimer. But I I definitely it definitely did not take off like Barbenheimer, and it kind of been funny if it did. Strays was projected to earn in the mid-teens. Like 14, 15 million, I think was the projection, but it opened only to $8 million. I feel like I'm laughing a lot in this box office breakdown, but that's just because these films are performing so awful. The film actually costs $45 million to produce, which is absolutely insane. Who is greenlighting this? And Last Voyage of Demeter, this and Last Voyage of Demeter each cost $45 million. That's not a very good executive. You're not a very good executive who can't pay their riders, but can pay $45 million for this type of film. Uh, the film did get a B-plus cinema score, which is good for a comedy. And when I said it, it's bad for Blue Beetle, that's because it's more family film. And comedies is very, very subjective. No Hard Feelings, which I thought was great, received the same score. And I really enjoyed that film, as I said. Uh, Strays, not so much as if you saw my review. I think it's one of the worst films of the year. Um, I don't see this legging out at all. And this film is going to lose so much money for Universal, just like Last Voyage of Demeter did last week. It would have done better if Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx, I, I actually thought said, thought it was Kevin Hart in my review. No, it was Jamie Foxx. Sorry about that. Jamie Foxx could have advertised the film, but they don't want to pay their actors and writers fairly, so that's their fault. A terrible performance for Strays, and they should have stuck this stuck to their early June release date before they moved it. If they had, they had momentum then. Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx could have advertised it. I don't think the late night shows were running then. I think the writer's strike already started them, but 
could have had some videos with Will Ferrell, Will Ferrell and puppies and stuff like that. It would have been perfect. It would have been the height of summer. They really screwed up here. They botched it. Oh, and I want to mention that a lot of parents took their kids thinking this was a kid's movie about dogs. Um, Just look at the poster maybe next time that has the R rating. Like, that poster right there. Oh, oh, I can't point my fingers at this point. <laughs> the camera throws me off. But the, it's, it literally has on the poster censored or R rated on a ton of the posters. Like, parents do better. Don't be complaining about the mistakes you're making. So yeah, Blu-ray fell flat on its face. It fell absolutely flat on its face. But let's talk about a film that's doing well. Lastly, I, I won't talk about Barbie so much because I, I'm discussing it very, very much this week other than saying... I'm oh, I'm discussing it a lot. But other than saying that it all, Barbie almost ble beat Blue Beetle this weekend. And Barbie's fifth weekend, it almost beat Blue Beetle. Barbie fell like a measly 30-something percent, again, to like $21 million this weekend, which is very, very close to be Blue Beetle. I would have laughed so hard if it made more money in its fifth weekend than Blue Beetle made in its first weekend. But actually, though, if you don't include the Thursday previews, I said it's basically plays most of the day Thursday. So it basically opens on a Thursday, and I think they need to stop including that in the Friday number. It makes it a lot easier to decipher. It just... Stop calling it previews. It's not previews at this point. Stop hiding yourself on the back studios. But if you don't include the Thursdays and Blue Beetles total, it's neck and neck race with Barbie for number one. It's making, Barbie's waking, making way more now than Blue Beetle was. So Barbie's going to retake number one or it's going to lose to Gran Turismo next week. We'll see. Oh, and I'll include this in the Barbie section, but I saw Oppenheimer for the second time this past weekend and I fully understood everything that happens this time. And damn, that's a well-made movie. Probably my third favorite Christopher Nolan has made under my favorite being Inception, which it just, Oppenheimer just passed Inception at the box office, and it also um, is closing in on $800 million, which is absolutely insane. Right now, Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer's worldwide total stands at $718 million. It's just incredible over a three-hour drama, and it's likely going to pass Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which is at $845 million to be the third biggest film of the year. Wow. Um, Barbenheimer just continues to dominate the box office. Absolutely crazy summer it's been for the box office, and I'm pretty sure we have I think everybody says summer ends at Labor Day. Summer's over for me, but we have Grand Turismo and Equalizer 3 left for the summer at this point. But no terribly new box office stories besides maybe those films flopping. I don't see any of them becoming new billion-dollar pictures. But for our next topic today, um, to celebrate Percy Jackson's birthday, they gave us a short little teaser announcing the date for this anticipated show. We had a teaser at the beginning of this year, I believe. I think it was the beginning of this year, maybe end of last year. I can't quite remember. And... I didn't think we were going to get this show until maybe spring of like 2024 with how slow Disney Plus has been moving with their Disney Plus shows. They take forever to, like it took Loki two years to get a se second season. Like, you guys need to plan stuff better. Can you please plan stuff better? Uh, but instead, we were getting it this year, albeit at the very end of the year. But still, the show is set for a premiere on December 20th, 2023. Hopefully, this does what Ahsoka does and drops it the night before at 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific Standard Time, which I rave about in that in a second. Just you wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna rave. I'm gonna like praise Disney for once in a minute. Um, the teaser they put out earlier this year for Percy Jackson, I feel was much better and looked a lot more cinematic than what we saw here. I'm still yeah, I'm still really excited for this show. Uh, but this short teaser did not live up to any of my expectations. First of all, the graphics look like they were generated on a computer from the 2000s. It just looked very very rough. Not good for a Disney Plus new premiere series. Like this is their new big series and. I don't, I don't look the best. Also, the CGI green screen or the volume or whatever they use behind Ares in one of the shots just looks so fake. And I really hope they spent the correct amount of money required for the show. But more importantly, we got a clear look at the main trio of the show, Percy, Annabeth, and Grover. And they all look perfect. And hopefully these young actors do a good job. The only actor I'm familiar with is Rock Walker Scoble, who plays Percy. And he was young Ryan, younger Ryan Reynolds in The Adam Project, a film I did not like. But I thought Walker Scoble had great, has great promise. He had great chemistry. He was just basically little Ryan Reynolds at that point. They cast him excellently. 
Also, Lance Reddick plays Zeus, who did they not show off in the trailer, but I but I believe this is his last performance before he sadly passed away earlier this year. I think he's going to give a great performance as the mighty Zeus because he, he always does. Lance Reddick, may he rest in peace, but he did awesome, awesome performances. Rick Riordan does play a big role in the series. He was He's the writer of the Percy Jackson series. He was barely involved in the first two films that came out about 10, 15 years ago. Those films were bad. And they got they got one sequel, but after that, the movies just fell off a cliff performance-wise. They, they weren't good to begin with, but it, it just it did not pan out. But Rick Riordan is a series producer, so he's involved deeply. And I read all the Percy Jackson books, which I remember being great. So hopefully he can take more how well he wrote the books and apply it to the show. I have read the books in over five years, though, so I'll probably read them again after the show comes out, or at least... The first one, because the first season focuses solely on the first book, I believe. I love that. I love having a, I love the plan of having a season for every book. That means we're going to get five seasons. If this pans out, Disney Plus really needs a long running show besides Mandalorian at this point. Let's get on a show on here with like four to five plus seasons. I really would like to see this. I also hope they do like a similar structure wise. I do a book a season for when HBO adapts Harry Potter and they do the reboot thing. I think they could do wonders with that i think you delve so much more into all these and hopefully hopefully percy jackson lives up to my expectations but i would really love for disney plus to have three great shows in a row with ahsoka just being just released in loki season two and after that percy jackson here's the greek gods which are so cool in their own right i just i don't want to be let down by percy jackson please please don't like please don't be bad please please i beg of you but now i get to rent i get i just get to i just get to love i just get to i just get to spread joy into the world for this next topic and that is ahsoka's episodes one and two i have become so excited for the show in the past few weeks i have picked back up on my star wars rebels essential rewatch which what probably contains three-fourths of that episode so it's not really essential at that point because it's more just takes let's take out the boring ones the first two seasons were just as rough as i remember the first time and honestly they they got me to stop my rewatch for about a month or so but i finally forced myself to finish the rewatch and seasons three and four were amazing i i was i was like wait this is actually good maybe i just cut out all the bad episodes but i found myself really really enjoying these characters a lot more yes the nature of some of these things still annoyed me but that comes when a show has a demographic of seven-year-olds but sabine wasn't as annoying as annoying as i remember her being ezra still was ezra was still very very much annoying and i hated following him and he was most of the show but he's just he's just whining remind me of my brother at some points when he was younger i was no, I don't. I don't want to follow Ezra. No, but Hera and Kanan were even better upon rewatch, and it just made me so excited to see Hera and Sabine and Thrawn back in Ahsoka. I was really, really excited. And I, I just, still, some of the things bother me, like the way they treated killing people, where they're like they're, they're mow down stormtroopers, but when they get to the bad guy, they're like, "No, we can't kill him. We're, we're good guys." I'm like, "Oh my god, shut up! You're rebels. You're rebels. You're gonna kill people. Be quiet now." But I was really, really excited for my Star Wars Rebel rewatch, and. Uh, when and then it that got me really excited. But then the news came out that Disney would be dropping all episodes for the show at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Tuesday nights for me. So that means 8 o'clock at night for me, perfect time instead of their usual 12 a.m. Pacific time drops to 2 a.m. for me, which I would usually, I would usually wake up. So you, if you've been listening to the show for a long time, you know how many times I've ranted about how they drop their shows. I implored them to follow the HBO model, and that that is this, albeit on a Tuesday and not a Sunday. But now I can have watch parties and not throw, screw up my sleep schedule to watch a show when it drops. Um, sorry, Europe, though, because that like really screwed up you guys. You guys were getting like the shows like eight o'clock in the morning or I think it was eight o'clock in the morning was in, in um, England is what everybody was getting the times at. And now you guys, you guys got to wait a lot longer. I'm very sorry. It's in the middle of the night for you guys. Now. But now you know how we feel. So after all of that buildup, I was ripe with anticipation. And I thought the first episode, two episodes were awesome. 
it was going to be so hard. I gotta say this: it was gonna be so hard for me to be disappointed. But the reviews came out from the day, the day before the show came out, and right now it has like a ninety four percent Rotten Tomatoes for the first two episodes. What? I I just oh, can we all just be happy about Star Wars? I just I just want to all be happy about Star Wars like we were with that first season of Mandalorian. You guys remember that? That's like the one time I've been alive that in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. When Star Wars: Force Awakens first came out. When Mandalorian came out, that was the time when everybody was excited about Star Wars. And I really enjoyed that. And I'm just, please don't let, can we not let people tear this stuff down? Please just make a good show so we can just keep having fun. Please. But I was just elated with joy while watching the show. It, it lived up to my expectations. I do have a few issues with the show, but it lived up to my expectations. But I want to start off by talking about the first episode. Spoilers do follow below. Spoilers will continue this and all my coverage through Ahsoka because I, I won't be able to keep my trap shut and not spoil anything. But... I, first of all, I love that we have a crawl on a Star Wars show. I think it really helps Ahsoka when compared to Mando. That it's Ahsoka feels more plot-based driven. And that is very well-written crawl, I must say. Much better than any of the crawls for the sequel trilogy. And when I say more plot-based, they have a mission to go find Thrawn and Ezra and stop their rebellion. Mandalorian is like, oh, we'll, we'll go get this. We'll go help these people out. This feels like a different show than that, which I, I needed a break from the Mandalorian. As much as I love that show, sometimes it gets a little like, we could just make this a movie can we just make this a movie at some points but ahsoka seems to be following the right path the opening of the show introduces us to balin shin and his apprentice can't remember her name but rest in peace ray stevenson but he was just he's awesome they dedicated the episode to him he's just he's bringing he's bringing the sith mojo even though he's not i don't know if he's a sith or not we'll see they're kind of like in the middle there's they i love me some sith killing fools but they're kind of in the middle like ahsoka and i love ideas like that it's awesome way to start the show before we begin to follow ahsoka we just see them maul through people and then we see them go get morgan elsbeth who was in mandalorian season two and who's revealed to be like a a sister of the night i can't remember the sisters of dathomir i i don't remember everything star wars has so much freaking info on it i can't remember everything if they reference it i'm like oh okay that sounds familiar but i can't remember all this stuff i have too many fandoms i'm part of to remember this so marvel's more in my mojo i can remember all the specifics over there star wars a little bit less so ahsoka's intro though in the first episode i thought was way too slow with the way she was putting it together to try to find that math nothing cool was really happening and just her like spinning rocks around and digging through sand and um, they could have cut a couple minutes but when she took on the droids it started to get great i loved it Hu Yang, her droid is awesome as like the lightsaber guy and the Jedi. He has like a Jedi bank so we can identify people. Awesome assistant. I love, I think David Tennant's voicing him. Great droid. Um, Ahsoka finds a map to Thrawn and then meets up with Hera. Hera doesn't do too much in the first episode, so I'll save my love rants about her till we talk about the scene, second episode. But we see that Ahsoka needs to visit Sabine to open the map and discover how to access the galaxy that Thrawn is in. Um, I also got to mention the ship that Ahsoka's in looks so cozy. With the rising and lowering like middle section where you get to sit, I want her ship. I want to be in her ship. <laughs> Sorry, just a little side tangent there. Um, the emotional underscore of most of the characters comes from Rebels. That I I forgot that they thought Ezra died. Like I was rewatching Rebels and they just Sabine lets him go, and I'm like, whoa, this is the last time they're gonna see him for for 20 years at this point. I could really see the emotion on Sabine's face when she was watching Ezra's recordings. I know you're definitely not gonna get as much emotion if having not seen Rebels, but they do. I don't know. I didn't talk to anybody who, who hasn't seen Rebels that has watched this. I don't know. It, let me down below. If you've watched, if you haven't watched Rebels, are you able to understand what Sabina's feeling and that she let him down? She was supposed to go after him and she hasn't made any progress on that. Ahsoka has, all herself, though, hasn't shown a ton of emotion in this first two episodes. And I hope the sternness she has grown to become slowly fades out um, as we go. Because you can tell that she misses Ezra deeply, too. And she used to be a lot more s spunky 
if that's the right term you would use when her younger years and she's kind of been jaded over the years, but I hope we see some of those walls start to break down with her becoming to go more with Sabine and stuff like that. I'd love some more. We could delve into the true character of Ahsoka at this point. As for the action, we see Ahsoka fight some droids. Pretty cool. But the real standout fight was Sabine versus the Sith Apprentice. I think that was the first time that two female characters have fought each other in live action. That's pretty cool. I love the red versus green. The red versus green looks so cool. And then when Sabine fell on her back while dodging a lightsaber move, that was so cool. But Sabine gets stabbed as her, the cliffhanger. Stop with these characters. Keep surviving lightsaber attacks. It really diminishes the power of the lightsabers. It's like one grievance I have with that fight. But overall good fight my one major critique though besides the lightsaber stuff is with the first episode i feel like they could have cut some stuff down for it to be better paced because i feel like it lost some steam when we were just standing around but the stuff with the emotion and the action hit hard like when we focused on that it was good but sometimes we were sitting there watching to move things around this, this isn't very entertaining can we can we speed up a little bit but now onto the better episode episode two uh sabine has recovered and we see ahsoka track one of the droids that attacks sabine to corelia that's the planet from solo a star wars story which looked very gray there it's a little bit lighter here and it's like a new republic junkyard at this point and hera goes with ahsoka to corelia hera is my favorite character from star wars rebels i think my favorite character in star wars at this point go kylo ren number one ahsoka number two hera number three it might switch a little, but Hera, they, they did her justice here. She's doing awesome in her scenes, and Mary Elizabeth Winstead, the actress playing her, is doing just an amazing job. Pairing with her is my favorite war crime committing droid, Chopper. Which, he's just so funny here in his conversations. You can really tell. You can really tell what he's saying when he's talking to us. So he's like, did you move my stuff? And he's like, why don't we just, why don't we just shoot down the ship? And she goes, no, we can't do it. It'll destroy the port city. Is that bad? It's just... I love Chopper. I love Hera. I'm, I hope we get to delve more into her and like, where is her kid at? And I mean, I don't really want her to be stuck with a kid. I want her to be involved in the action. I hope she doesn't get sidelined because of stuff like that. But I'm just, I'm just so happy to see them back and in, in live action. Um, the action here, here was some of the best like I've seen in any Star Wars. It was just really good with Ahsoka fighting. It was like perfect Star Wars. You had Ahsoka with lightsaber fights on the ground doing some cool action while Hera was up in the sky dealing with the space stuff, like in the ships, dog fighting stuff. It was just like a perfect 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 pairing uh harrod put that tracker on the ship with chopper tagging along um we also balance this out with the villains you now have a ship and a map in order to reach thrawn and ezra is moving quite well along well in here i'm just so happy the show is moving at a good pace i might be blinded from my love of this character at this point i admit that but <laughs> i really didn't have a lot of critiques i hope there isn't a ton of filler like mando has but from this starting point it seems like we won't be having that problem i keep <laughs> i keep riding along this part i think we could have some of the, keep riding along this path and I think we could have some of the best Star Wars ever. I'm just elated. I'm in Cloud Nine. And I'll be reviewing episode three, which is supposed to be a really uh, like a 32 minute episode, which is stupid. Please give us like if you're going to make this appointment viewing, make it appointment viewing and not a 30 minute episode, which it bums me out. But I will be here talking about next week's episode. So yeah, Ahsoka. I'm, I'm very happy about Ahsoka. But as for what is not coming next week, I want to talk about the show first. And that is One Piece, I, which drops August 31st, I believe. I believe that's next Thursday. Um, Netflix is dropping the full season, which is so stupid. Uh, now I can focus all my TV show rants on Netflix at this point and not at Disney Plus for their release times and release dates. They're absolutely killing their momentum. If they do not have this fixed by the time Stranger Things 5 comes out, I will be livid. I can't wake up at 2 in the morning and binge watch a 10-hour show. Like, can we please make this weekly? I want it to last longer, please. But it's just crazy, their business model. One that requires paying their creatives nothing, by the way. If we spit this out, we could pay our people better, maybe. But more onto the show itself, I'm not an anime fan. The closest I've ever gotten to anime is Avatar The Last Airbender. Airbender. I know most people don't consider that to be an anime, but that's as far as I've gone at this point. Um, but I believe One Piece is like one of the most successful animes of time. Correct me down below if I'm wrong, but 
I think it has like 1,000 episodes or something. I am never watching it because of that. See, when I start, when I catch on a show, I'm going to have to binge the whole thing. Like, I started How to Get Away with Murder the other day. I'm like, oh, no. It has six seasons. There's 15 episodes. They're all an hour long. Hold on. I'm not I'm spending my free time with. Like, it scares me because I will just want to watch that show constantly. I have uh, never, I've seen nothing in the One Piece franchise. I watched a little bit of the teacher teaser, but I'm only going to watch this show if it gets good reviews. And it looks like it got first, good first reactions, but we'll see how the audience reacts to it. And if it get, if Netflix greenlights the second season, maybe I'll be like, okay, this will motivate me from watching it because it's carrying along here. I just have to throw this out here there because I believe this show is going to be huge for Netflix though enough. I might watch it. I might review the week after it comes out. We'll see. I'm way more excited about the live action remake of Avatar Last Airbender though, but I honestly wish we were doing live action sequels to the animated show because i would much prefer um that over a remake but i definitely am way more excited about avatar Lost airbender remake than i am one piece but as for the new movie next week that is denzel washington's equalizer 3 i have not seen any of the equalizer films so i need to watch the first two sometime in the coming week i gotta plan figure that out and the trailers look fine just like a stereotypical action revenge movie like liam neeson stuff i mean i've never seen equalizer so i don't really know what i'm in for so if some of you equalizer and denzel washington Washington fans take those hearsay. Um, okay, I, I'm not really expecting to love this movie, but who knows? I haven't had much taste in this franchise. Action movies like these are just like not for me. Um, we'll see. I'm seeing it opening night, and we'll have my review right when I get out of it. I literally have have no idea, no idea what to expect at all. But I do love that it's only like an hour and a half. I'm like, yes, thank you. I don't want to be in there for three hours. I love an hour and a half movie. I love a short, concise movie. Thank you. Um, but what did you think of Gran Turismo? What did you think of that Gran Turismo? Based on true story, excuse me. What do you think the first two episodes of Soka? Did you guys love, love it as much as I do? Am I a bit crazy? I know I am, but let me know what you thought of Soka. Why is Blue Beetle flopping? And are you excited for the Percy Jackson series? I've been, I've tempered my expectations because of that awful little teaser trailer, but they can win me back with the full trailer. But make sure to check back next check back next week for my review of Equalizer three and the next episode of Soka. But make sure to like, comment, subscribe, follow me on all my socials. Um, thank you all so much for listening and tuning in. But y'all have a good night now. Bye bye.